0: It is so good to be in the company of God's people and realize that all over the world, people are lifting up voices of praise, worshiping, honoring our great God together. And it's true that someday, I can't even imagine it, but someday it's going to be spectacular when all of God's people are gathered and singing praises to him lifting up our voices I can't wait We're going to start a series after this one called Big Hope and that'll be in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians which really keys on the idea of our coming Christ In fact every virtually every chapter of those two letters the apostle Paul fits in somewhere some picture or illusion to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, I think he is coming soon, and I think we better hurry up and get this, these two letters taught before he gets here. But we, we need to do that, and so I'm, I'm uh, asking you to pray about that next series that will be coming called Big Hope, and uh, I hope it will be a blessing to you. I also want to invite you to come back tonight. Um, I always invite you to come back tonight, but I, but I want to especially extend a, an invitation to you to come back tonight. Pastor Jonathan will be speaking. And uh, the reason I want to uh, identify that is because Pastor Jonathan is soon going to be going on sabbatical. Many of you know that. Some of you don't necessarily know that. So this will be the last time his sweet, cherubic, smiley, happy face <laughs> will be delivering a message of God's Word to us for quite some time. Uh, as the scheduling goes um, He's not leaving for another month Not till uh, mid-May But And then he'll be gone for the summer And back with us at the end of August Pray about Pray, pray about that Pray for him and his family And the whole idea of Of uh, what God has for him In this journey And in a couple of weeks He's heading to India Which some of you know And I'm, I'm like Really envious of him going there uh, Because the books that we purchased um, For the pastor's book sets They're in and uh, so these 53 pastors are going to show up in Calcutta a couple weeks from now, and they're going to get all those books, and uh, th- that's going to be such an amazing thing because it's such a great resource, and they're going to be so excited about this, the tools of their trade that they'll be able to use with their people, and, and uh, it's impossible to package the joy that is on, on pastors' hearts uh, when they get their books and, and uh, have their study materials, and they know they can, can go to... to uh, uh, preach the word of God to God's people and so uh, he'll bring back a, a message of that and hopefully he'll have bottle some of it up but but uh, that's going to be a really exciting time so thanks for investing in that and I know it's we we, we have no idea uh, how that's going to be used in that amazing land of India to reach people for Christ that's happening um, this morning I wanted to go back to go big our, our Joshua series and you're saying wait a second I thought we finished that well, yeah, I thought we did too, but God doesn't think we're quite finished. And we, we need to go back, I think, and touch on the major themes of the book and, and just do one last round with that. It occurred to me, you know, that um, God is not like a school teacher. Now, school teachers, they're great people, but, but what school teachers are really excited about is, is they teach you stuff, and they give you a test, and all they're really interested in is, did you learn the stuff that we taught you? Could, could, did you know the stuff, and can you put it back on a piece of paper? God's not like that. He doesn't just want you to know stuff. He wants to know that you're actually doing this stuff that you know. And so, I, I think it's really important for us to take uh, another sweep back through the book of Joshua, and, and we're going to move quickly this, this morning. Uh, Just touching the major theological themes and making sure that we get the message from Joshua, get the message of God to the church at Calvary. And and what is Joshua's go big message to Calvary. Um, I I really sort of want to answer the question, so what, the book of Joshua? Are we supposed to do anything? And if it is, what are we supposed to do? Uh, We want to review what we've learned about God. Now there are a lot of heroes in the book of Joshua, Joshua, Rahab, Caleb, and all those kinds of people, but, but the real hero of the book of Joshua is God, and we want to make sure that we know exactly uh, what he's about. What is God saying specifically to us? This is not just a historic rendition of uh, events that took place, but what is, what is the message that God has, the enduring message, the particular and present message to Calvary Baptist Church? What is God doing? Uh, that we need to join in with. Now, without a doubt, uh, God's intention all along was that the book of Joshua would be sort of a marching manual for the future plans he had for the church. Uh, to, um, In fact, the main and the central person in this book of the Bible, of course, is, had his name changed by Moses. If you were to track back, you would find in Numbers chapter 13 uh, that... Um, The name there that was mentioned was Hosea. Originally, he was called Hosea, which means deliverance or help. But probably after the great battle of Rephidim in Exodus chapter uh, 17, it's likely there that Moses changed Joshua's name. Now, he wouldn't necessarily know why he changed his name, but God certainly did. He changed his name to Joshua from Hosea, which means the Lord is salvation. And, of course, the name Joshua is a Hebrew name for Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation. And Joshua is that parallel example, um, in fact, of the coming Messiah. Jesus would be this parallel example in God's plan. And the churches, just like Joshua led his people to push through into the promised land, Jesus would lead his church to push back the gates of hell and to push forward. It's Jesus who fights for us from heaven, fights for his church and causes the church to triumphantly march across the earth. For God so loved the world, the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, it says that this gospel will be preached to all the nations and then the end will come. And so Christ fights for us from heaven and, and leads us triumphantly, pushing his church, moving his church throughout all the world. I want to share with you this morning seven things, seven high point themes of, uh, of Joshua's Go Big message. But I also want to point out to you that, that in the first six books of the Bible, starting with Genesis right through to Joshua, we get a real overview of, of the the general or the pattern of, of the spiritual journey uh, of the, uh, the average person of God or the person of God. And, and so this journey is, is pictured for us in these six books. And, of course, you, you see this uh, played out in the lives of believers. First of all, uh, people are begin in slavery, slavery to sin, in captivity. Uh, then, uh, in fact, the majority of our world is... Locked into this place. And they circle around and circle around in this place of captivity. This place of sinfulness. Some hear the voice of Christ and are rescued. And are saved from their slavery. And are are moved into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They become God's people. Uh, Upon becoming God's people, uh, virtually everyone spends some time in the wilderness. That time where you learn how to obey God. It can be short periods of time. It can be longer periods of time. You come sometimes come back into the wilderness for lessons of learning. Uh, unfortunately, far too many of God's people cycle around in this wilderness place, this place of disobedience to God, not learning to obey, like the people of Israel did for 40 years on the verge of the promised land, yet they continued to disobey God and, and, uh, and circled around in wilderness. But God wants us to move on to the, the next level, the next place of spiritual fullness in God, of fully obeying Him, of committing our lives to Him in a full sense, of taking that movement towards having God and Christ as our central vision of our lives and the moving of of everything in our lives. That's the place of the promised land. That's the place of moving into Canaan. And after, uh, when we get to the place of spiritual fullness or when God is really moving in our lives, that's when we, be, we have the opportunity to make a real impact and influence in the culture around us. And that's where we fulfill the mandate that God has given us to subdue the world, to make a difference for Christ, to be salt and to be light. It requires of us to be in a state of spiritual fullness to really make a cultural difference. And then, of course, when God decides it's time... He takes us to heaven to be with him forever. And and so that's the journey. That's the, the basic spiritual journey that is played out for us in the six first books of the scriptures. And played out, of course, again throughout the New Testament. And throughout all of the scriptures, it takes pieces of all of that that we have in this great journey. And so I want to take you, in light of that as the journey... I want to take you back to the book of Joshua and pick out these seven really significant themes and theological themes that uh, build a case for what I believe God wants for Calvary Baptist Church. And the first is this. God is amped about His Word. God is totally amped about His Word. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, we read there, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Our success will be dependent on our careful obedience to God's word. God is amped about his word. Now, I'm speaking to parents out here this morning, and I suspect that you're pretty amped about your word toward your children. I I would suspect that you're pretty committed to your will and and what you believe you want for your children. And and I'm glad most of them have already gone to junior church because I want to say to you that, that we have a complete passion for our word and our will toward our children, even though we're not totally convinced we're always right. And particularly, even though we don't know the future. So how much more do you think your heavenly father, who totally is always right, and, to- and also knows the future, is amped about his word to you, and his will for you? This is about being committed to the will of God. He communicates his will to us. I find among Christian people, there's a lot of needless anxiety about finding the will of the Lord. You want to know what the will of God is for you? It's find out what his word is to you today and do it. That's God's will for you. Uh, Seek first the the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will line up. Uh, That's how it works. It's it's committing myself today to the word of God and to his will and and not... uh, driving myself crazy trying to understand what is God's will. You know, we're always saying, I wish God would lay out His will like He did to the people here. You know, you read down a few verses, you find out in verse 11, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take your possession of the land. I wish God would just tell me that. Well, He just did. This is His word. Uh, Take His word today. What's His word today to you? Uh, What's one of the... um, the most common metaphors we use for the word of God the scriptures you can interact hmm lamp is one it's interesting that's what the first group said they were all over the light thing huh sword yeah sword come on come on spiritual food music to my ears the bread of heaven food food The word of God is food. Now, most of you know that I have a science degree and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when I eat a hot dog, I'm not really sure how that thing is going to produce all the purposes that God has for me. I'm not sure how it's going to break down inside and little molecules are going to go to the right place. It's going to just... if if hot dogs actually do that i'm not sure but but let's let's assume that they do and it goes to the right place and 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 it all it all works its way out so that you know like you're up here with energy to preach the word of god and all that kind of stuff that's how the word of god works in our lives we don't know all how it works how all it breaks down into component parts and and, and and accomplishes the purposes that God said, but He says it does. My word never returns to me. He says without effect. It always accomplishes the purposes that I have for it. So we just eat. We just eat. Just eat today. Just eat the Word of God. It, and God is amped about His Word. What He says to do, we must do. And where He sends, we must go. Uh, go get what God wants you to have. Go. To where God wants us to go. That, that's what the word of God is all about. We're to be totally convinced about, about God's word and his will. Erwin Lutzer in his book, Seven Reasons Why You Can Trust the Bible, says this, obviously, dark days lie ahead for the believing church since Christianity is no longer providing the consensus for our society. The freedoms Christianity brought to us are being destroyed before our eyes. We are living at a time when humanistic thinking is coming to its natural conclusions in morals, education, and law. If we are to withstand the onslaught, we must be convinced in our own minds that we have a message from God. A sure word that shines in a dark place. We have to have confidence in the Word of God. He is amped about His Word. And we as His people, if we're going to make a difference, have to be fully convinced that what what He gives us is truth. And what we have here is, is the Word of God that makes a difference. We have to be confident that we can build our case for how we live and what we say and how we behave and how we think. We have to be confident that we can build our case on the scriptures, on God's word. Because God's excited about it. The purposes God has for you tomorrow are dependent on your nourishment on the word of God today. And every day. That's how it works. Secondly, I believe God is zealous for his honor. In fact, the only way to honor God is to trust Him for impossible things. Because the impossible made possible through us attracts the attention of others. Let me point that out to you in Joshua chapter 2. It was when the spies went to visit Jericho, spy it out. They met this woman by the name of Rahab. And she said to them that the people in the city were melting with fear. Why? Why? Well, it says in verse 8, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed when we heard of it. Our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now, I don't know how this happened and I, I, then, and I don't know how it happens now, but for some reason, the general revelation of creation had not impacted these people with the reality of God. I don't understand that, as I just said to you. When I go out and I look at God's creation, it just absolutely just leads me to think about Him and and drives me to, to, to the reality of a God. But let's be honest. The majority of our world is living within the context of God's general revelation. And they're not necessarily moved to Him. God regularly uses His people To grab the attention of people who have not noticed for some reason the general revelation of God. It wasn't the people of Israel that made an impact on the people of Jericho. It was what God did through the people of Israel that made such a huge impact in them. They so when said, we, when we heard about the Red Sea drying up, and, and when, when we heard about what, what God did through you in and, and the conquest of the land, it says, their hearts melted in fear, and they came to the conclusion that surely your God is truly the God of heaven, the real God. And so it is. God is zealous for his honor, and he chooses to use us to demonstrate great things. Do you realize we dishonor God when we hold ourselves hostage to the possible? When, when we pare down uh, the great things that God wants to do to a humanly manageable uh, dimension, we dishonor God. It's a tendency within us to try and do that. When we see something that's impossible, we say, how can we make this possible? How can we use... Uh, the resources that we have to, to make this really work. Well, that's not what God is looking for in our lives. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not talking about craziness and presumption here. Uh, Presumption is is doing something that's impossible, that God never asked you to do, and then asking God to bail you out with a miracle when you get in a big jam. That's presumption. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things that God tells you to do, the things you know you're supposed to do, to go into the world and preach the gospel, the things that you definitely know, and, and you try to pare them down. Say, how can we do this in our own strength? How can we do this with our resources? You realize that God is intending to use you, to use your life, and the impossible around your life to demonstrate to people who haven't noticed the greatness of God that surely God is among you, that God is in your life. God is zealous for His honor. While our Christian work is important and each physical victory significant, The real goal is the public display of the power and glory of God. look at Joshua chapter 4 at the very end of that chapter. Joshua writes, For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Why? He did this. So that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. When God's people are melting in fear, it dishonors God. It gives the impression to the people around us that that God isn't able. That God isn't powerful. Our fears, our lack of faith, our selfishness will all flee if everything we always do and set our hearts toward is about a public display of the power and glory of God alone. We're to show them off. You know, I wonder about the question, what would our church look like if God were the dominant reality? What would our church look like if God were the dominant reality? And what would our church look like to the people of this region? Thirdly, um, God is sovereign and totally in control. That's not a new concept to you. Certainly, you find that throughout all of the scriptures. But I want to point out something to you that's very important here. There's a word that keeps being used in the book of Joshua regularly. It's the word crossover or crossing over, that you cross over. It's a word for movement. When we think of God as sovereign, we're kind of, well, you know, God can do whatever he wants to do, so why do I need to do anything? That's sometimes how we might get the picture of of God as sovereign, totally in charge, in control. So he really doesn't need me. I really don't need to do anything. Nothing can be further from the truth. In fact, if there's one thing that the book of Joshua points out, it is that God is absolutely sovereign and absolutely in control. But he never disconnects that sovereignty and that being in control from the movement of his people, the response of his people to his sovereignty. That whole idea of crossing over, truly belonging to God and his purposes requires movement from where we are to where God wants us to be. It says in the scriptures, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, I will give you every place where you, what? Set your foot. Now, right near the promised land was the wilderness. You understand that? But they had to do something to get from the wilderness to the promised land. They had to be willing to move, be willing to cross over. You won't get fullness of God in your life standing still, being static, resting and rescue. I'm saved. It's good enough. I'm, I'm saved. I, I don't need to move from there. I, I'm just glad to be out of Egypt. Remembering will have to do. At the very end of the book of Joshua, the people there are fondly remembering the great things God has done. And there's a tendency in all of our lives to do that. We we rehearse in our testimony the, the things that God has done in our past. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. Unless that's all you're doing. In Joshua chapter 24, verses 17 and 18, the people are saying, it was, it was the Lord our God Himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and, all, and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out from uh, before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because He's our God. And, and then Joshua's noting, they're talking in the past tense. You're rehearsing all the great things that God has done for you. And Joshua, he, start, he steps up and he says, You, verse 19, you're not able to serve the Lord. He is, right now, present, holy God. He is, right now, a present, jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. Your history's great, and, and the great things God has done are wonderful, but... But he's a present God, and he wants you to move now, and he wants you to to continue to proceed and and, and follow hard after him. And and so they said, yes, we're witnesses, yes, we're witnesses. And, And Joshua says, now then, now, do something. Throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord. You need to be moving forward now. You need to be doing something, responding now. There's a parallel between the book of Joshua and the book of Acts as well. In so many ways, this whole movement motif and, and moving and, and claiming more territory for God is, is paralleled in the New Testament in the book of Acts. And, and as Stephen was standing before, his, before the trial and before those who were going to, to um, ultimately kill him, as he rehearsed the great things that God had done, they were fine with all of them. You read in Acts chapter 7. He was talking about, you know, that, that God led us out of the out of Egypt and, and he put Moses in, as our leader and all that. there Yeah, yeah, that was great. That's all fine. And they're with him. Until he says to them, now, now do something about it. You're you're you have not been responding to God. You you've not been paying attention to the word of God. You've not been faithful. To what God intended in your lives. And it was then that they picked up the stones and, and were ready to kill him. And it did, in fact, martyr him. God is sovereign and totally in control. Now then, do something. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 10, it says there, this is how you will know that the living God is really among you. How? Fact uh, that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. How, how will we know? Well, he says, See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream, will be cut off and stand up in a heap. How are we going to know that the Lord is among us? By moving forward, by by paying attention to what God is saying. God will move us forward. He'll clear obstacles in the way of his intended uh, destination for us. The things that were formerly in the way, like the Jordan River, will become your pathway across to the planned program that God has for you. Listen. Listen to His words. See where God is working. And go there. That's what God says to them. See where, listen to my words and, and see where I'm at work. What, what does God want for Calvary Baptist Church? God wants us to, to discover where He is at work and, and meet Him there. Where is he, what is he saying to the church? Where is he sending the church? Where do we need to go? No standing still. What's next? Always moving forward. Well, fourthly, what I find in the book of Joshua is that God has no competition. Do you believe that? I'm not convinced you believe it. God has no competition. Can you imagine? You think about it. It was a, a little acacia wood box that they carried into the raging Jordan River. And the river stopped. It was a ragtag group of people who marched around a city seven times. On the seventh time, they marched another seven times. And a massive fortified city called Jericho crumbles. Crumbles. It was um, a massive army that was opposing God, opposing the people of God in Joshua chapter 10. And, and he sends down hailstones to cause a complete, complete panic. It was in that same battle that it says in the word of God that, that the sun stood still and the moon stood still. Well, we all know that, that, that our mighty God must have grabbed the earth and stopped it from rotating. Now I ask you, if your God can reach out in a given moment and stop the rotation of the globe, how big a deal is your impossible issue? Our God has no Competition. What a a position to be in, to be the child of that God. No competition. Immense power. God has resources beyond imagination to make His purposes reality. That's why we must not shrink back. When the world abuses God's children, do you realize that it's an affront to Him? He says in His word, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. It's a call to the to the Church of Jesus Christ to move forward with courage. It's a call to you to move forward with courage. There is no competition, it's no contest. We don't have to make alliances with the enemy to cooperatively coexist. We don't have to make some sort of alliances with science or with sociology or with psychology or with politics. There is no competition with our God. So push forward. Move forward. Fifthly, I find in the Scriptures that that God wants from this text to be worshipped for who He is and not for what we get from Him. The difference between those who move forward and those stalled are those who view God as um, a pastime, a hobby. I mean, what what does Sunday mean to you? Is it just sort of, uh, well, uh, I have nothing else to do, so I might as well head out to church. Or treating Christianity and our relationship with Christ like some sort of vacation resort. One of our staff members passed along to me a brochure from a big church in Florida. Lots of people go to this church. And maybe lots of people go to this church because this is how they advertise. We encourage everyone to choose the worship time and style that best suits you and your family. And after that, commit to serving during some of the remaining times. We encourage everyone to choose the worship time and style that best suits you and your family. Now, I I think I understand what they're trying to get at. But for some reason, I'm, I'm struggling with the whole idea of worship and what suits me. I'm struggling with that. I've always struggled with that. It bothers me. It kind of bothers me that you bribe people to come into God's presence. You bribe them to come to church. We're going to have Cowboy Church. You know, we're going to have, we're going to have Billy Bob sing a song for those of you who like country-western music. You know, we're going to, we're going to have, we're going to have uh, Acid Rock for those who can only be drawn into the presence of God if they're rocking. We're going to have Classics for the people who must have the Classics. Uh, honestly, I, I think it may run us into danger of missing the point of worship. You know, I I, I honestly think that, you know, after wandering around in the wilderness and the people came to the uh, verge of the promised land and God said, I want you to go in there, I'm giving it to you, take it. And and you know what they said? Numbers 13? Well, there's a lot of big people in there. It's going to be really hard and uncomfortable for us to take it. You know what, God, it is not going to suit our family at all. So is it okay if we don't go in there? There's like there's no country western music in there. There's no southern gospel. Honestly, I, no, we're not going in. But we we still worship you. What do you think? You know what? I really think God wants to wean us from the whiff of idolatry, even the whiff of it. What God says to them is not, um, hey, um, I'll bribe you to go across the Jordan with um, a style of worship on the other side that it's really going to suit your family. No, you know what he says to them? Consecrate yourselves. You know what that means? That means set up yourself for my purposes. I'm not setting myself up to suit you. That's not who God is. It says, consecrate yourselves. You set yourself up. You prepare yourself. You get yourself ready for my purposes. It was just before the great battle in Jericho that um, Joshua encounters a pre-incarnate vision of the living Christ who meets him. And Joshua rightly says to him, And you can check this out in Joshua chapter 5 at the end. Joshua says to him, "What's, what's the message for your servant? You know, I was expecting, based on what I'm reading in the advertising paraphernalia of so many evangelical churches, I was expecting the message to be, well, Joshua, I've got a different worship style context for just about everybody. So it will suit all of you. When you go there. You know what God says? He says, Joshua, take off your shoes. The place you're standing is holy ground. You are in the presence of his holiness. All I want from you, Joshua, and all of your people, is that you would just be conscious of the fact That you are in the presence of the living God. Would you just stop and be aware of that? I think what we should advertise on our brochures is, the only thing that will happen in this church is you'll want to take your shoes off because you'll be so aware of the presence of God. That's what I think God wants in worship. Can I get it? Can I get a testimony? Can I get a witness? I need to be in an Afro-Canadian church. They need to, they, you're going to have to help me out here, Dwayne. I have no (laughs) Afro. I I need, okay, I need a Trini Canadian church. Help me out with some Caribbean stuff. God wants to be worshipped for who he is. Is not what we get. It's really loud in this this it's really loud in this book. Six, God hates sin. This is not new to you. God hates sin. But what I think might be and was a big eye opener as we went through this particular book is that we found out that sin is not an isolated and individual reality. We we found out that sin is a community reality. We found out that when Achan sinned, all of the people suffered. That's really an eye opener to us. That that's really something that's an important message to a church like ours. That that not your your private sin is not private in its consequences or in its effect on the work of God. Ever. But what you do on Saturday night is a setup for what goes on on Sunday. And and it's not we, there's no truth to the fact that we aren't our brother's keepers. Or that what our brother or sister is doing isn't really my business or doesn't matter. It absolutely is our business. It really does matter. Now now don't get me wrong, God holds us personally accountable for our own personal sin. But the effects are far-reaching. I mean, God's message to us at Calvary Baptist Church is get rid of sin, eradicate it. I, I mean, you can't miss it as you go through the scriptures, and certainly in the book of Joshua, you can't miss the extent to which God went to eradicate sin from the land. He hasn't changed. So throw away distractions, the displaced affections that undermine God's go big intentions for us. Let's get clean. Obliterate all the compromising props in your life because God is relentless about his holiness. Finally, the seventh uh, big theme I think that grows out of here is that God is the Lord of the whole earth. Do you believe that? We um, We can get trapped in the idea of the holy land, that there's a certain geography that is really special to God. And as you read through the Old Testament, you realize that God is mapping out a geographical land and a boundary, but that's that's not his... His intention is not to to give some sort of special significance to a track of geography. The whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns it all. This is an important picture for us that, that I mean, humans can't get their mind wrapped around the big things of God. He he owns the whole universe. How can we take the universe? We're just little people. So he has this movement into this land, the the land of promise, to point out to his people that that we're all just tenants. This all belongs to God. And if you're a bad tenant in God's land, someday you're going to have to pay for that, the judgment of God. He had already warned the, the Amorites there had been 400 years of wickedness, of misusing and abusing the land that rightfully belonged to God. And he told Abraham that in, in, in four generations, the sins of the Amorites are going to be full. I'm going to, in other words, I've had enough. I've had it up to here, God is saying. In four generations, my patience is going to run out, and I'm going to bring judgment upon that land. And and God's people are going to move in and have it. I'm going to kick those old wicked tenants out. And I'm putting God's people in there so they'll influence and impact that part of the world for God. And they'll use that as a headquarters to move forward and advance the great things of God. So in reality, what God wants is He wants His people to impact everywhere with the implications of a ruling and a reigning heavenly monarch. As aliens and strangers, we're to take possession of everywhere and every land for Christ. The, The picture of the land in Joshua, as it's understood in its fullest spiritual context, which, by the way, is the context of Joshua as well, it wasn't just a physical thing. It was absolutely a spiritual reality, relationship with God. The land is where God and man in harmony are subduing and bringing into submission. What is God's? Take your shoes off. And what God is is calling us to do is to go into all the world. That's why this mandate is given to us, and the picture is here. Go into every place in this world. Go to every nation of people in this world. It's the same mandate that was given in the Garden of Eden in Genesis when God said, be fruitful and multiply and go and subdue the world. That mandate's never been rescinded. And now in the fullness of Christ's relationship with us, we are to be light and salt in every corner of this world. From the localized possession of a Middle Eastern tract of land to complete dominion. His dominion. The Genesis mandate. Through the new creation, we are called upon to prepare all of creation for the ultimate takeover of Jesus Christ. The new heavens and new earth. This is God's world. It's been hijacked right now by the prince of the air. But now it says in the scriptures, in the book of Ephesians, now through the manifold wisdom of God, he is demonstrating to the principalities and powers of the, great, the greatness of salvation. What looked like a defeat, what looked like weakness, has proven to be the power of God to save people and bring this world under the reign of Christ. We don't beat up the world with human weapons. We go into the world with righteousness and the proclamation of the good news of the gospel. That's the manifold wisdom of God. He has called us to saturate Oshawa and Whitby and the Durham region with righteousness to take back this, our father's world, which is hostage to the evil one. What it would look like if Jesus showed up In reality, he he has thousands of of Jesuses all over the world going and taking the gospel, presenting him in Christ-likeness. That's the intention. Wherever you go on Monday, we leave from here and we scatter to the place of His calling for you. And when you walk in, you walk in with the light of God's truth. You are called upon to, to claim that for Christ, to claim that pa- place for Him, and to not shy back. Because God has no competition. He, he's amped about His word and what He's telling you to do. He's longing to be worshipped by you and how you live and how you act. We are called upon to saturate this region with the aroma of Christ, to go into the dark and the dank places with the light of God's truth. That, to me, is the powerful message we get out of the book of Joshua. It is about a church on the move, reclaiming from the evil one what rightfully belongs to God and demonstrating Christ Everywhere we go, making a difference. Showing people what it could be like if Christ ruled and reigned in their lives. That's what made it so exciting last weekend to be at the musical that was here. It was was to gather with God's people and to bring some people who were lost into our midst and to praise God with all of our hearts, to worship Him alone and give those people around us a sense of what it would be like, what they could have if they would just reach out and embrace Christ who wants to embrace them. That's what our lives are to be. That people would say, surely God is among them because he is doing great and powerful things. Father, I pray as we bring to a conclusion for now the message of Joshua to Calvary. I pray, Father, that we will not file this as an interesting exercise in more knowledge and information. But, Father, based on what you have been doing over these months, how you've been shaping us and moving us what you've been saying to us what you want to do in our lives through us as a community i pray father that we will be people who first and foremost are simply committed to an awareness of our great god And that every vestige of about me would be gone. And that we would say, speak, Lord, for your servants here with ears for action, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We need to be totally convinced. We are building our message on the truth, and they were confident in God's word. We need to be passionate about showing off the Lord of how great He is and what He has accomplished in our lives. We need to make sure we're a church that is moving forward no standing still, no static. Move forward. We need to be people who every day go into life realizing that it is. No contest for those who are against God. No contest. We need to be people who worship Him when make it really about Him. All week long. And Sundays too. We need to be people who get clean. Get clean. That's... How God can bless you. Get clean. And I think our region needs a facelift. And I think God's people are the ones who are called to give it. So let's make sure that Durham Region benefits this week and the coming weeks because we've been together, we've got our marching orders from the Lord. Let's go forward and let's reclaim Durham region. It belongs to God. It belongs to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's show them what it would be like if Jesus were really ruling and reigning in their lives, what it could be like. Our Father, this is not a human pep rally. Otherwise, it would just flop. This is from your word. And I believe, therefore, that your spirit will energize us to make these things happen. Please do, Lord. Not for our sake. Not for our fame. But for yours alone, O Lord. For your glory alone. That the people of Durham region might see the power of God and be saved. For Jesus' sake. Amen.